Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. Good morning. I love it. Uh, my name is Emily Jeffries, and would you follow along with me as I read Luke 6, uh, verses 27 through 38. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes away what is yours, do not ask for it back again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much gain. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. I'm Evan, the senior pastor here. Welcome. Uh, it's so wonderful to be together on this Labor Day weekend, to worship together, to take communion together, which we'll do here uh, towards the end of our service. And I'll, and I'll say, uh, here at the Baptist Church of Westchester, we we believe that this table is not our table, but, but Christ's table. And so all who are seeking to know Christ are welcome to the table. And so I'd invite you to participate uh, in the act of communion later in the service if um, you feel led to do that. And if you're watching online, know that we want to participate in communion with you as well. So feel free to grab some elements at home wherever you're watching and participate as well. We begun this series about loving God and loving neighbor. And in your bulletin on the back, you'll see where there normally is a sermon note section is a little bit this, this grid activity that we put there. And we've got it here on the screen as well. This is the love God and neighbor grid. And here's how it works. In the center, that's where you are. And then those eight squares around it, you have a task that will be Uh, You'll be taking these eight squares and you'll be filling them in with your actual neighbor's names. So these are the eight people, houses, apartments, cubicles, however it plays out for you, classmates, people you sit beside in homeroom, I don't know. Figure out how to put eight names around you and then pray for those neighbors. That's what we're asking you to do. And you may not know the names of those neighbors and that's kind of the point. Ask them, find out who they are, and pray for them. If we're going to be people who love our neighbors, and our neighbors are all people, well, we should certainly know those who are near us. 
So that's an exercise we'll be doing together as we look at this series in the Gospel of Luke and we ask this question, how do we neighbor well in 2023? And this week's text, as you've heard, is one that maybe we aren't the most excited to hear all the time. It's appropriate for Labor Day because this text sounds like work, right? Love your enemies. We're at a point in parenting our three kids where invariably one of our children is not excited about what we're eating for dinner nightly. And so we struggle with this balance as parents of wanting to give our children the freedom to make safe choices for their bodies, but also to try to help them align those choices with what Brittany and I envision to be what they need for their bodies. The Christian life as we walk it has these invitations in them, these challenges in our Christian walk that can sometimes not be what we want to hear. We're invited to walk in a way that is full of peace and joy for us and others. But sometimes this invitation to neighbor, to love, to forgive, well, it's not the part that we get excited about. Right? We, we like to hear things like God is love and you are loved and death doesn't have the final word and thanks be to God. It's true. Yes, yes, yes. But there are also bits of our faith that challenge us, that stretch us, that push us, even as they flow out of these essential, beautiful, loving tenets of our faith. They challenge our thinking. They call us to things like loving our enemies. Jesus has been teaching, and he's teaching now to his closest followers in this passage. He'd spent the the, the evening on a mountain praying, and now he has come down to ground level, the plain, to teach his closest followers. This descent from this mountain of prayer to the flat ground is this symbol of this leveling he has in his mind for how his followers will live towards everyone, that they would love everyone, even their enemies. And so he says to them, love your enemies, and you have to wonder what they imagined when they heard that word enemy. When you hear love your enemy, what do you think of? Who do you think of? I imagine they might have thought about footsteps of the Romans marching into their town. Maybe they thought about religious leaders and communities that would have cast them off and said they were wrong or not good enough. Maybe they thought of criminals in their midst. Maybe they thought of people who had hurt them in the past, who've been at odds with them. What what do we hear when we hear the word enemy? Do we think about another nation that might be at odds with our own? May we think about people with different politics than we have. May we think about big systems like racism and bigotry and greed that infect people's lives and futures, do you think about someone who has hurt you, who has hurt others, who have pushed you aside? Maybe in our individualist and success-driven culture, we think 
about the person who got the promotion when you didn't, the job that you didn't, the life that you didn't. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Really? I'll tell you as I began studying this week for this passage, I mean, the minute that I finished reading the passage for the first time this week preparing, I got a notification from the Pennsylvania Turnpike saying that I had missed a bill and I owed them money. Who am I supposed to love? How am I supposed to love? It's an idea that makes us uncomfortable. We say, there are people who don't deserve our love. But Jesus doesn't give us qualifications. We need to understand what Jesus means when Jesus says love. We're going to look at that today. But he gives no qualifications. Jesus says love. One commentator says this about this passage. Congregations respond to this text in the same way my children respond to seeing cooked spinach on their plate at dinner. No matter how much I explain the nutritional value... No one around the table really wants to dig in, right? I want to read the passage again, verses 27 through 31. Hear what it says. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, don't even withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes away what is yours, do not ask for it back again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is good news that is not easy news. (laughs) We may ask as we read this passage, we can't really live like this. I mean, doesn't this make us passive or weak? The former Southern Baptist and editor of Christianity Today, Russell Moore, recently commented to NPR on why he thinks American Christianity is in a crisis. He said, it was the result of having multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story over and over again, that they would say in their preaching, turn the other cheek, and someone would come up to them and say, where did you get all those liberal talking points? And the pastor would say, I'm quoting Jesus. And their response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. I'll admit, when when I hear a quote like that, I think, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. (laughs) But truthfully, this command to forgive, it's hard for me too. I may not say it, but it's hard. Really, Jesus? Forgive even grievous wrongs. What about about Christians and churches who have used your name to cause damage? I mean, don't you need my help defending you? (laughs) I wrestle with this. I mean, isn't forgiveness sometimes, wouldn't that feel like injustice? (laughs) No, we need to understand what Jesus means when talking about love and forgiveness. See, too often we think loving our enemies and and forgiving our enemies is imagine that we just ignore them or we ignore what they did. We ignore the harm that was done to us. We say, oh, that was okay, and we just move on. Sometimes this passage is used to encourage people to return to unhealthy spaces, 
to let people who have abused their power stay in power, but that is not what Jesus is saying. No. Sin has consequences. Forgiveness does not mean going back to the same situation over and over again. It does not mean going back to the way things were before the harm. Loving your enemies does not mean that you let them walk all over you and harm you. So what is it? Well, Jesus is teaching here. It's not passive. All the verbs in here are active. They're things that we do. Even though some of them may feel a little amorphous, like bless and pray, they're, they're active actions that we take up. You love your enemies. You do good. You bless them. You pray for them. You offer the other cheek. You give. You do. So here I think we can see that, that love is not ignoring. Love is not permitting. Instead, love is a desire for the mutual flourishing of both you and the enemy. Mutual flourishing, that's a way that we could translate a word that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures, shalom, that means peace, this idea that, that we would all be blessed and benefiting together, that we might flourish and they might flourish. It's an active response that undermines hostility in the world. It's a nonviolent protest against a violent world. It's revolutionary. I believe that Jesus' teaching is good for us. It is good for us when we love our enemies and it's good for our enemies. But I don't want you to miss out that some of the responses that Jesus suggests here includes no contact with the enemy. And you may need to hear that because you may have been harmed or pushed away or disrespected severely. So Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Bless them. And sometimes that may include doing all of that in a way where you don't contact them. It may not be safe or helpful for you to have that relationship anymore. And you know what? That's okay. You may need to hear that, that that is okay. But Jesus understands that in our most painful disruptions and breaks and relationships with enemies, there is deep potential for internal bitterness and disillusion. I've seen it in my own life when I'm so disappointed or frustrated or hurt that I carry this deep pain and bitterness with me all the time. I feel it in my body. The other person might not even give it a thought. So Jesus says, pray for them. Still desire their flourishing. Still hope for their best. Ask God to bless them, even if you must be disconnected from them to maintain a healthy boundary. See, we we can't control our circumstances or what is done to us often, but we can choose how to respond. And so instead of embracing the bitterness, Jesus invites us to pray. And I believe that teaching is freeing. We don't have to pretend like there haven't been challenges or breaks. We don't have to pretend like we're best friends. But you live with love. And it may be hard. But Jesus invites us to the freedom to say, Jesus, it is yours. I don't know how to forgive, but if anybody knows how to forgive, it's you, Jesus. And so maybe I can't right now, but will you? I admit it's easy. 
for me to talk about loving enemies as a straight white male in the United States. I have not had to face the injustice, cruelty, and pain that others have. My safety has not been at risk in the way others have. <laughs> so I read this call to love enemies, and, and I don't hear how it's been used against me to keep me down or quiet or pushed away. So simply, I just come before you and ask that we approach these words of Christ and, and ponder them together. Hold them together with open hands and imagine together what this means for us. To hear these words from Jesus who took on pain and suffering from us. Jesus who knew what it meant to be cast aside. Jesus who loved enemies while they actively killed him. That Jesus is telling us to love our enemies. To see them as people he deeply loves. To see them as people with wounds and insecurities just like us. Bishop and theologian Desmond Tutu is probably best known for his activism and work against apartheid in his native South Africa that saw people of color brutalized and horribly oppressed. And after apartheid ended, Tutu led in the efforts of healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation. And he tells a story in his wonderful book, The, the Book of Forgiving, about a trip he took to Washington, D.C. He was invited to speak in an event and be recognized for his life of work. The ceremony also featured a, a very famous actor, and so while he was waiting to be met by his hosts in the hotel lobby, he was wearing his dark clerical outfit, his, his purple shirt, holding his black cap. And a young man who worked at the hotel approached him and asked if he was the actor's driver. And Desmond Tutu got angry. I know it's hard to believe, but he did. He has a Nobel Prize! Immediately he wondered, could this... this this man, would he have assumed that he was the driver, if he was a different age, a different skin color? Tutu writes, I wanted to strike back, haul him to his manager, take him down a peg or two, the way he had taken me down. By acting in revenge, I would have to admit the sad, vulnerable place where the hurt had landed. See, when, when we cannot admit our own woundedness. We cannot be honest and let this freedom to tell Christ and our family what we feel and experience, then we won't see the wounded person who has harmed us out of their own ignorance, pain, and brokenness. Tutu says when we face and accept our own pain, we start to recognize that we don't have to stay stuck in our story, but we can write a new one where we're able to learn and grow from what happened to us. Tutu chose not to retaliate, but to forgive. Jesus says, turn the cheek, lend and expect nothing back. Really, Jesus? I have a, a software on my phone so that if you borrow a book from me, I keep track of it so I know who took it so I can make sure that it returns to my library, right? This is spinach, Jesus. <laughs> I don't like it. Can you go back to a message that's just about how you have forgiven me and stop with the whole me showing it to other people thing? <laughs> and Jesus says this will be good for you, not because of what you'll get out of it, but because you'll now live in this new way. 
knowing who is your Lord and who you belong to. See, I believe this kind of generosity towards our enemies with our love is part of a transformation where we become more and more like Christ. It's a reflection of God's love. It's about treating people in a way that God treats us. I believe it all comes down to that verse in Luke 6, 36. Jesus is saying all these things. We're thinking, how? Why? What? Be merciful. Show compassion. Be empathetic. Just as your Father is merciful. And I want you to notice that, that Jesus doesn't say, just as my Father here. Often Jesus, when teaching, will say, my Father, my Father, my Father. Here, he says, your Father. See, because I believe this way of loving enemies is a family characteristic of the family of God. And the only way that we're able, even able to put it on and begin to live in this way is because it runs in the family. And when we become part of the family of God, this transformation begins to happen where we see that our value and our worth is not based on what anybody says about us or does to us or has hurt us, but no, it is because we are children of the King. And because we are children of a King who forgives and is merciful, who forgave us and is merciful towards us, of course, we begin to forgive more and more as we are transformed to be more like Christ, I will tell you it will take time and it is hard and we will mess it up, but we will find grace and grace and grace. There's a popular show that was on HBO where one prominent family in the show was always described as a family that pays their debts. I believe the family of God forgives their debts. I believe that because of our example of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has shown mercy in ways beyond we can imagine, we might be transformed to be merciful as well. That we may break a silent cycle of retribution and retaliation in our world. We might act out of the deep love God has shared with us. We're not going to be perfect at it. There will be times when the hurt is so big and so fresh and so raw that all we can do is cry out to God, but I believe that God who forgives will take that too, use it, and shape us, and do forgiving even on our behalf. I believe the more we seek and know this Jesus, the more we'll become like this. The more we'll bear the family resemblance. Or even in the face of hurt, we somehow pray and bless and love. That we'll bear the family resemblance even as we may share with Jesus some of the wounds. This week, Pastor Zach sent me something from Reverend Lizzie McManus-Daly, and, and I want to share it with you in full because it's so good. And I want to let this be the thing, the prayer that we close on this morning before we move 
to communion. This is Christ is a wounded healer, a thread on living with the unlivable. She writes, I reshared a post on Facebook recently that resonated with some deep personal traumas I've lived through. To paraphrase, it says we don't heal from everything. Some things are so horrific, we have to learn to keep on living without healing. And it's generated a lot of response. And as a priest who practices a faith that talks a lot about healing, I thought I'd share my thoughts. The idea that we don't heal from everything may seem antithetical to Christianity, which is a religion full of healing stories from Scripture, but Christ is a wounded healer whose very resurrected body still bears the side wounds and the holes in the hands and feet. Wholeness after trauma does not mean unblemished ease. Bodies are changed. Lives are fundamentally never ever the same. Now, perhaps this is healing. Learning to walk without that stability. But so much of what is deemed healing culturally seems to be perfect or completely back to what it was before. So perhaps this act of dealing with what can we cannot handle is adapting to a life with a wound, a chronic illness, a chronic despair that we will not let be the overwhelm of us. Either way, I thought I might share my own breath prayers from when I was deep in the pit, in case that is where you are right now. These prayers come from a rawness in response to a series of events decades ago that included the horrific and accidental deaths of multiple people in my family. I'm going to read her prayers for us this morning. I ask that you join in with me in prayer. May these words be yours. This may not get better but I will get stronger. I can and I will still live a joy-filled and beautiful life. This terrible thing does not make my love a limited resource. True love is expansive. It makes room for more love. I can still love. I can still have peace. I can still rejoice. God has wept with me. God will rejoice with me too. Amen. I'll ask our deacons to come forward as we prepare to take communion. And as they do, let me read over you again Luke 6, 27 through 36, this time from the message translation. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. 
If someone takes advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemy. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us generously, graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.